Hey, friends and fam, it's John, and it's time for the JMart cast. Today, I've got a guest, Jeff from the Bitcoin only Toronto community. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. What's going on? How are you? Thanks for having me. Great. Just uh, finished training some jiu jitsu, so feeling good. Beauty. Nice. Uh, Nogi? Yeah, Nogi tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, any, uh, uh, do you remember what you, what you guys practiced? Uh, just some basic half guard passing. Um, so it was beginner's class and, uh, yeah, I was just helping out, uh, some of the new people mm-hmm. that just started with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, walking through the basic techniques, mm-hmm. just, you know, got to get the underhook, got to get yeah. the underhook, <laughs> flatten them out, get the underhook, cross mm-hmm. face, all that kind of stuff. Fun. Um, yeah. And then a little bit of rolling at the end, although I'm not like fully rolling, I am a little bit injured, but, uh, Mm. You know, just some flow rolling and just work a lot of different positions and have fun, you know, not trying to kill anybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's the yeah. best. I forgot to ask what, what, uh, are you purple belt? Yeah. Yeah. Purple belt. Um, very nice. Took me a very long time to get that. I was, was it 10 years. So I've been training since 2014. Yeah. 2014. Okay. Eight, I, nine years. I got my blue belt in 2015 mm-hmm. and then I just got my purple belt like not even a year ago, like six months ago, seven months ago. Congrats. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny how like in jujitsu, the belt system is way different from, you know, uh, at least in my experience, I did like karate growing up. Oh, cool. You've done um, that too. Yeah. Um, and I think, what really drew me towards um, uh, jujitsu after like kind of trying out both and switching. Well, I started out karate and then as I got older, one of my um, karate instructors, he was actually dabbling in MMA and, mm-hmm. you know, he would be like, Hey, come on, kid, let me show you some jujitsu. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, you know, mm. oh, I can like do this arm bar. I can strangle mm. you with my legs. I'm like, mm. this is some fake stuff right here. And then he mm-hmm. actually does it. I'm like, okay, no, this is serious. Yeah. Um, and that's where I first kind of learned about MMA and jujitsu. And he's like, there's this thing called the UFC and people fight. I'm like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of started off my journey into uh, like exploring, like, hey, let me join a jujitsu gym and see what that's like. Um, and you know, it's it was kind of an awakening, similar to Bitcoin in a sense, and especially mm-hmm. the whole idea of like proof of work. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to bring a- this up later, but I'm glad we got into it right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels between. Mm-hmm the idea of proof of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one person that really kind of like helped me get my head around it was, um, that mm-hmm. Jason Lowry guy. I know he's oh, yeah. a bit of a hot topic in the <laughs> community and I'm not mm-hmm. here to debate like, you know, oh, mm-hmm. Bitcoin is war and violence and all this stuff. Like yeah. everyone's going to have their opinion. Away. Yeah. But just the basic idea of like what proof of work really means. And I think, um, it's an inescapable truth of like reality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, if you mine Bitcoin, you mm-hmm. are putting energy into it. You're putting electricity into it. Mm-hmm. You can't fake that either. You had the mm-hmm. electricity or you didn't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you mine the block, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you did. There's no mm-hmm. like telling me you did and me mm-hmm. not being able to verify that, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with jujitsu. It's like, my, my coach says this all the time. It's like, it's the map of truth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what belt you're wearing. Mm-hmm. We're going to know what your skill level is at, what you can actually do. Mm-hmm. Whereas karate growing up, um, not that I didn't get a lot of benefit from it. There's definitely a lot of things I learned as a kid, especially just like discipline and all that kind of stuff. But, um, in other traditional martial arts, there is a little bit of, I'm going to call it a little bit of fiat in the <laughs> system. <laughs> okay. You know, like, if you have a, yeah, if you have a black, like I got my black belt in karate when I was like 16, 17 years old. Oh, wow. Amazing. And, um, you know. I never really competed all that much, mm. you know, when we sparred, mm. it was never like super hard to the face. You um, can't really do that with striking martial arts. That's kind of the drawback of it. Yeah. And a lot of the techniques that we would learn for some reason, when we sparred, we mm. use different techniques. Uh, like, um, for example, the way we punched was yeah. like, we would actually like, not have our hands up by our face like this, like they teach you in kickboxing, Muay Thai, boxing, mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. They taught you to punch, like chambering your hand in your armpit like this, mm. and you'd punch out like that. Mm. And that was how you practice the punch, like during drilling. Mm. But then when you actually sparred, mm. you were taught to keep your hands up. So. I remember thinking to myself, like, why are we practicing it like this when we actually do it like mm. this in real life or, or like in a sparring situation, I should say. Yeah. And so I guess my whole point there is, um, the reality was not matching. Like what I was being told was like the way to do things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing today with, you know, <laughs> these bank failures going on in the last, in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of, this is what we're telling you, but here's what's actually happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of theater, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, Political and theater. Exactly. And so, mm. especially with like, let's relate that back to karate, right? Like the katas, mm. the forms mm. you would do as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these are like predetermined steps of like punch, kick, block, this and that. Interesting. And like, okay, you memorize those patterns. And again, I'm not saying there isn't merit or, or benefit to it, like especially for mm. a kid to like just have focus somewhere. Yeah, the discipline, right? That's what I'm trying to think. Is there like something to doing it the wrong way, but you're like practicing it over and over again? Yes. So that was huge. Like that, I think, was really important for my development as a human being. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure it was the best in the context of like martial arts fighting. Yeah, not the most efficient, I guess, thing. Yeah, not the most effective either. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how that ties into jujitsu, like the big difference there is like, I didn't trust my black belt, I guess. Mm. I felt like my black belt was very fiat in a Mm. sense. Like if I got into a street altercation, do I actually feel comfortable defending myself? Mm. Honestly, I was like, maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas with jujitsu, even as a white belt with like, you know, a couple of stripes on my belt, like Mm -hmm. these six, seven, eight months of training, 
mm. I was like, wow, I feel a lot more confident mm. in a street altercation than I ever did doing karate in terms yeah. of being able to defend myself in a real situation. Because mm -hmm. um, you, you get to actually practice it like pretty close to full strength with someone who knows exactly what they're doing and and you get to learn all the different ways that somebody can hurt you and learn <laughs> all the different ways you need to stop that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way my coach just taught, and I'm sure this goes for like almost any good jujitsu school is like, they teach you in a very like, almost like just biomechanical way, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like you grip here, you, mm -hmm. like, you have to twist him like this and, his body's going to move like that. And if you have mm -hmm. an elbow in, he can't take that space away from you. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Very practical. Yeah. Whereas again, in karate, when they taught us techniques, it was told to us like, well, this is the way it's always been done. And that's why it, we do it this way. It's like, it's not really a first principles approach to does this mm -hmm. work or not. Mm. It's just keeping to tradition, which again, mm. there's other benefits to that, but in yeah. the context of how I felt confident in my own physical mm -hmm. safety, that's mm -hmm. what kind of mm -hmm. got me to switch over to jujitsu um, mm -hmm. full time. Yeah, outside of like in my martial arts life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interfacing with reality, you want to feel confident and you want to make uncertainty go away yes. by the knowledge that your skills are <laughs> sufficient. I get that. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I don't know if you felt the same way, but like. With Bitcoin, mm. it's that same security of like, I know this is my money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. For me, my first martial art was uh, wrestling. So okay. I had that, uh, I feel like, uh, confidence in the knowledge that my martial arts was uh, had prepared me at least a little bit for what like reality might be like if I ever had to have like a physical mm -hmm. altercation. Yeah. But I always felt like it was incomplete. And then when I like, heard about jujitsu, I realized that's like what I needed to, uh, learn more in order to complete like, uh, my martial arts interest. Yeah. Relating that back to what you just said with, with banks as well, like what's been recently happening with, uh, the bank failures, like obviously that's all mostly in the United States, although it did happen in Europe too now with Credit Suisse, mm -hmm. but it, it definitely could happen here in Canada, although most people don't think it can. <laughs> it, cer mm -hmm. it certainly can. And, yeah. but I know that I'm personally safe because even if it does happen here, I got Bitcoin and gold storage. So it's not going <laughs> to affect me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like having that knowledge of security of certainty, like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much exactly the same way I feel with a martial art like jujitsu. And, you know, I wish I did some wrestling as a kid too, because I think wrestling is a very, let's say proof of work style martial art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you can hold someone down or you can't. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. right. And you know, what's, uh, this is what I was thinking about right before we were going to record. Personally speaking, I've always been drawn to these things that are like proof of work related. And I think partially it's because I personally don't have a very good filter for things that are happening around me, people around me. But if I'm drawn to things that are proof of work, 
then that in itself is a really good filter <laughs> for me so mm -hmm. that I, I'm kind of like uh, giving up that responsibility by just like being involved in activities that are just proof of work. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't have to personally like vet out people. It's just like, and this happened to me one time and I was just thinking about this, an example of this. And it was in high school when I was wrestling mostly. And there's this person who I thought was like really cool. And I was like, convinced them. I wanted to be their friend. I convinced them to join the wrestling team and they were mm -hmm. cool enough to actually join. Mm -hmm. But very quickly, it seemed uh, like it was like they were way over their heads and they didn't want to like go too deep, deep into it. Mm -hmm. To their credit, they still continued like in a very shoddy way where they were not showing up like all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually, like there was a there was an injury that like set them back really badly. So it was like okay. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of dropped out of, you know, coming completely. And yeah. then they dropped out of my life because like my life was wrestling. So if they weren't in mm -hmm. wrestling, they were in my, they were not in my life. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Like you're using proof of work systems to vet your relationships in a mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really cool way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, uploading that to proof of work. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hey, I think that's a, that's a great way to like, you know, again, bring a little bit more certainty into your life in mm -hmm. different aspects, whether it's your money, your health, mm -hmm. in this case, we're talking about like your physical self-defense skills, mm -hmm. um, or just people in general that you want to get to know or not get to know. For mm -hmm. And I think jujitsu is and wrestling for that matter. Like these are great filters for, Hey, do you have the fortitude to stick around in something or mm -hmm. just talk? Mm -hmm. Or are you actually willing to mm -hmm. put in the work and the time and mm -hmm. effort to do this thing, right? Mm -hmm. You can't fake it. You can't fake yeah. it. Yeah. Come here and try to kill me and I'll do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll tap if we get too close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's the best part is when you get to tap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good learning moment for sure for both parties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we kind of skipped over like how I wanted to start the podcast, but that's okay. Cause I love this, this beginning, but I just kind of wanted to get a little bit of a background on you. Can you give me a little bit of your life story where you were born, how you grew up and yeah. uh, if you went to school, what you studied and then eventually how that led to you discovering Bitcoin for the first time. How, how did you hear, hear about it? Yeah. So my parents are from Hong Kong originally. Um, mm -hmm. and my mom's family is also from like Beijing, like mainland China. Um, so I was born here in Canada in the GTA region and I grew up here, um, went to school here, high school here, went to university here and, uh, I went to McMaster university for, uh, accounting nice. <laughs> and finance and that kind of, that kind of route. I'm also um, a McMaster alum. Oh, really? No way. Marauders. Yeah, yeah. What program were you in? Biochemistry. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. um, With yeah, a you're... molecular biology specialization, I shouldn't sell myself short. Hey, there you go. <laughs> See, that is a proof of work degree. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It never really got me anywhere, like uh, career-wise. But uh... but the actual science that you learned, yeah, it's is like you can't fake it right that's mm -hmm. another one of those things you cannot fake biology 
mm-hmm. organic chemistry and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like these molecules bind to these molecules and this mm-hmm. is what happens when you put them together, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. When- like thanks to that degree, I understand nutrition re- really well, which is of course like perfect for my uh, like work as a personal trainer. So mm-hmm. like, I guess I can't say it, it didn't like, like there's definitely a lot of benefits to having done that degree. And, and I would actually, to that point, also say that my degree, which was like commerce from, from that, um, is actually less proof of work in that sense, because mm-hmm. a lot of what I learned was very subjective, right? Like, especially when it came to economics, like I had to take economics through, uh, you know, my first few years there. And, um, you realize like, at least now I realized that so much of it was just like fiat nonsense. So was um, it actually like you're being taught Keynesian economics as like, yeah. this is the gospel in school? Yes. It's not like full on Keynesian. It's like, I guess what you would call it neo Keynesian. Okay. Really no, like the, apparently there's a lot of like nuance there. Okay, um, sure. That now there are certain things that were important to learn, like the basics of supply and demand, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, they would teach you that, you know, no matter what, you know, if, if this number comes out to this, like in this equation, this is how much of this product is going to sell. And it was almost kind of a math. It was, um, uh, I think Michael Saylor said it really well. I think there's this like, uh, physics envy. Mm-hmm. They call it in economics where it's like, right. they want to be considered that mm-hmm. kind of hard science, the like similar mm-hmm. to what you learned, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like one plus one equals two. That's mm-hmm. it. I mean, even biology is pretty subjective in like a less so in, in a chemical way sense, but, That's true. but, but still, uh, but I understand what you're talking about. So essentially they were trying to like make everything into this formula that's very uh, statistical, very numerical, rather than actually focusing maybe on what the Austrian economists would say, human action, like mm-hmm. things that are a lot less uh, like these numerical values, but more like thinking about logistics and reason. Mm-hmm. And if you really think about it, it's like, if you look at most schools, economics is classified under social studies or like sociology type mm. um, uh, umbrellas. Whereas business commerce, it has its own thing. And I always found it weird that economics was actually not under that umbrella of like business and finance and whatever. Um, and you can definitely sense that physics envy, like in those courses, in the textbooks, how hard they try to make everything formulaic and Mm -hmm. seem like a lot more important than it actually is in a sense. And I actually took the Austrian economics course on, uh, uh, sailors like free online, um, uh, academy, I guess you would call it. Is it sailoracademy.org? Um, yes. Uh, and he has like tons of free education material. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn anything from science to business to, you know, mm-hmm. he has a Bitcoin for everybody course. I took that as well. Oh, nice. Um, and after taking that Austrian economics course on there, I realized like that is how they should have taught us economics or at least told us that that is another school of thought that exists Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the way I think about it is like the way they taught us economics was kind of like teaching you that Christianity is religion and that there's no other 
like the word religion is synonymous with, let's say, Christianity. Mm, I see what you mean. It's the only religion. Right. But they don't even like make mention of it. Like they mm. don't even mention like what religion means. Like, oh, there's actually mm. like other religions that exist. Right. There's right. Judaism, there's Islam, there's Buddhism mm -hmm. and all this stuff. It's like, they don't even, not that they don't even mention that. They don't even let you think about that word as if it's a categorization. Not even brought it, in context. Right. So you're just taught like this is economics. Like I didn't gotcha. understand that the Keynesian school of economics was mm -hmm. like one way of thinking about mm -hmm. economics. No, they just taught you that this is economics. And so the whole idea of like Austrian economics and the whole idea of, like you said, human action and understanding that value is subjective ultimately. I think that was kind of the biggest mm -hmm. difference for me is like in Austrian schools of economic thought, value is totally subjective. Like I might value something completely different from you, mm -hmm. which means that the graphs I was taught, the formulas I was, I, I was taught in, in school, there's no way that could ever translate to like, well, this apple costs $5. And if you were to lower it to $4 an apple, then this many more people would buy it. It's like, well, you just left out the whole thing. What if I don't like apples? I don't, I don't care what price it is. I'm not going to buy it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. or so, maybe it's like the wrong time of year for apples and like, right. I don't know, there's cyclical, you know, and you're picking the wrong time to do it, do it. There's all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it just missed out on all these different things that I realize now, like, man, I wish I just took that sailor course. Cause that would have summed up <laughs> all my economics, um, in one course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, sorry, I got off track there. Um, <laughs> so that from there, I got into accounting. Um, and you know, I worked a summer internship at a hedge fund firm, um, or well, sorry, it was actually a 16 month internship in between my third and fourth year of school. And then after school, what do you do in an internship at a hedge fund? Oh, I was like a glorified bank teller essentially for uh. really rich people. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how I would describe it. I was just a bank teller that would do like the basic day-to-day -day stuff for people, but all my accounts were like really wealthy people. Nice. Okay. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And that was an interesting experience getting exposed to like that level of like mm -hmm. the financial world. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually like started to like, that's kind of around the time I started like researching more into Bitcoin. Um, because did some of these people have it or something or no, no. Okay. So I should go back a little bit. So the first time I actually really discovered Bitcoin was like, in 2013 and okay. one of my cousins uh, family friend they were really into bitcoin and he was this like what you would call like a, a prepper kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> he was a little off his off his rocker um and everyone thought this about him and he mm -hmm. would tell me about bitcoin he would tell me about things like like uh, the Panama Papers, you know. Mm -hmm. Those are real, though. <laughs> that's what I mean. And so I remember thinking, like, this guy's fucking crazy. Um, and then, like, as he was kind of like being vindicated by these, he's like, oh, these companies, like, they're just shell companies and blah blah blah. Like, mm -hmm. Bitcoin because the money's mm -hmm. fake. I'm like, 
whoa, 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 like slow down, man. Um, <laughs> and as I kind of saw how much he was right about certain things, that's mm -hmm. what made me like kind of dig into it more. Mm. Unfortunately, I didn't buy Bitcoin at that time until like maybe 2015, I want to say, mm -hmm. because laughing. <laughs> well, because I had no one around me, like friends or family that like, other than this guy mm -hmm. that wanted to talk about Bitcoin, mm -hmm. I felt very alone. And again, I was in business school. So I thought that, wow, I have a lot of friends that work in the world of like money, right? Mm -hmm. Like they should kind of understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just got laughed at everywhere mm -hmm. I went. Um, and so like, I, I kind of put Bitcoin on the back burner, but I would still kind of mm -hmm. follow it here and there in terms of sure. what's going on with it. And what did you think about it at that time? Were you kind of following the storyline that your crazy friend was telling you that it's like an alternative to money or what did you, did you think of it as more of just an investment? What was your a mindset little, about it? A bit of both. So definitely, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely a greed component to it. Like I just want to mm -hmm. make tons of money. So I was like, oh, mm -hmm. let me buy this thing, see if it goes up. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the very basic things about it, like for example, the idea that nobody controls it. Mm -hmm. That was really stark to me because when I was working that internship, I had a fund, uh, they were a wall street fund. Um, and they were not letting their clients withdraw their f money from the fund, even though it started declining in performance. Mm -hmm. And I remember like realizing, like I was really the gatekeeper to mm -hmm. that. Like in the sense that like, I was the one who processed a trade, like to sell mm -hmm. something if someone wanted out of the fund. Right. And the only thing stopping that actual transaction was me and by extension, my manager and by extension, the client, like our, like the fund, mm -hmm. um, who were like, no, we're not letting them take money out. So don't do it. And I remember getting these emails from people be like, and some sad stories of like, Hey, I really need this money. Like the funds declining. I just want to get out. And I'm like, I have to be the bad guy here to like email them mm -hmm. back and be like, no, sorry. And that's where that whole control thing was really mm -hmm. stark to me for Bitcoin, where it was like, okay, if these people had Bitcoin, they wouldn't be able to like, or sorry, they would be able to take their money out or spend it or do whatever they want with it without my permission. They're trapped in this thing and it's going downhill and you're not letting them off the boat. Like, <laughs> what is that about? Trust, trusted um, third parties, right? They're <laughs> at some point they're trusted until they're not trusted. Yeah, exactly. So I, th that was kind of an eye opening like contrast for me. Mm -hmm. um, interesting that that happened and you got to see that firsthand. Yeah. And so that was one thing. And then the other thing was the 21 million supply thing. Yes. Know, the capped supply. Um, scarcity. The fact, true scarcity. Yes. Um, and it was a really hard thing to wrap my head around because again, what was I taught in school? Inflation's totally normal. <laughs> like it's just something that happens and you just got to deal with it. 
it's it's good because it forces people to spend their money and then that helps grow the economy it stimulates the economy that's the whole reason why we have all these nice (laughs) things around us look think about it yeah if you just print money there's like more stuff to buy and make and sell and oh man like i ate that up because it was just Mm -hmm. like that's what was going to get you a good mark was memorizing that stuff Mm -hmm. right um but like it's funny because as a kid you know when you have like playing cards and stuff and you have the one that like every kid has and then you have the one that's super rare mm -hmm. that is only like one in a million or whatever and then you never see it except every once in a while some kid out of town shows up and you're like holy shit that's that one that no one has like mm-hmm. everyone wants that one. That's the super valuable one. Why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> and other kids would trade five cards of the not so rare card yeah. for that rare card. Right. <laughs> and that made total sense. To, like we understand it on an intuitive level. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but for some reason it's like kind of beaten out of you mm-hmm. in this higher education. Money has to be infinite. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And there was never any talk about gold that was never Mm -hmm. mentioned once. And it's like, isn't that an important part of like history? Like, shouldn't we learn a little bit of history? But Mm -hmm. no, I guess not. Oh, I, I, sorry. I guess we did learn about the tulip. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. The tulip bubble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but, the next tulip bubble, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think I remember even bringing up Bitcoin to like one of my professors in my like senior year um, when I got back from the internship. And, you know, it's just like, ah, ah, it's not really anything, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably going to go away in a couple mm-hmm. of years. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. We'll see. <laughs> a lot of times I feel like people just have opinions where they have like, they should just be like, oh, I haven't even like looked into it. I don't know much about it. Like mm-hmm. maybe like if people have strong opinions without any like actual time spent on looking into things. Mm-hmm. Like why? You could just you could just easily opt out of saying anything hard one way or another. Just say I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, but people want to pretend or, or have that like uh status of like ah oh, I know everything or you know, I'm a <laughs> professor, I got to be right about these things, right? Um and, and so a huge catalyst to my Bitcoin education was actually my jujitsu coach because he's a, he's really into it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of a big, like, um, catalyst for me because he was, again, probably the second person that I could really talk about Bitcoin with. And I didn't feel like I was crazy or alone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and, uh, did he organize know, the, uh, those events? Uh, no, that was his brother. Okay. Okay. Um, but my coach did kind of put in a word for me to compete mm-hmm. in that event. Um, nice. Nice. Do you want to just, uh, like share that story about like what happened there or just finish off what you were going to talk about it, like in terms of uh, your relationship with the coach and how he helped you like feel a little bit more comfortable with like yeah, not yeah, feeling yeah. crazy about Bitcoin and it, how it, you're not alone just, about it. Yeah. It just furthered my conviction into like, okay, okay. I should look at more into this. Like he's mm-hmm. he, like, he was really knowledgeable on it. And I was like, mm-hmm. Whoa, this guy knows way more about Bitcoin mm-hmm. than I do. Right. 
So I was like, okay, I should learn more about this. And as I go down the rabbit hole, you know, Andreas Antonopoulos, you know, mm -hmm. Joe Rogan, those were huge podcasts for me. Nice. Um, I listened to those. Yeah. And, and that like Andreas really was kind of the, uh, big orange pill for me mm -hmm. to like, cause that's my coach told me to like, go look this guy up. He's mm -hmm. got a lot of good information about Bitcoin. And from there now, like, this is where mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so the, um, the events, the competition. So, um, in 2017, I did a jujitsu competition where I, I was actually able to earn Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. and this was at a time where like jujitsu competitions were banned in Montreal. Is that true? Yes. So it was banned in Ontario and Montreal and surprise, surprise. It's because the government wanted a official like jujitsu body. Like that was like that you had to like pay dues from like a licensing thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> before like jujitsu tournaments just kind of ran like, mm -hmm. independently of the government. Mm -hmm. And now the government's kind of like, well, you got to pay your share and open up an or official organization that has dues and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And, um, so around that time, jujitsu competition was like amateur competition was outlawed in Ontario and Quebec. And, uh, now, now professional jujitsu, meaning if you were to earn money, that was okay. Um, but obviously like there's not a lot of that compared to amateur competition. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for us at uh, TriStar gym in Montreal, you know, home of the famous GSP. Um, yeah. For us, the hobby, he's like pretty famous as his coach as well. And just like a good coach in general. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic jujitsu and just overall MMA coach, but, um, he wanted to basically protest this like ban on competitions. And so he started up on his YouTube channel, a series called, uh, pure victory championships. So you could look that up on YouTube and his idea was, okay, they're going to ban competition for amateurs. Fine. I'm going to host competitions in my own gym. And I'm going to have these guys earn cryptocurrency and Bitcoin for it. And mm -hmm. that was this kind of roundabout way of protesting essentially. Um, and I remember seeing the first few episodes and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, I love the rule format. Mm -hmm. It's very different from typical competition rule format because it was no time limit. There's no points and it's sub only and mm -hmm. pretty much every sub was legal. So what that meant was the match could be two minutes long, could be two hours long, but you don't stop until somebody taps, until somebody gets finished, essentially. Oh, man. That's, uh, that's like basically real life rule set. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why he called no it stand-ups. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, that's why he called it pure victory championship, because it's the purest form of victory in that sense. Um, and I saw the first few episodes of it and I was like, man, this is such a cool way to like rebel. And I was planning to go to Montreal anyway. Um, cause I've been there a few times and I live in the TriStar dorms and you know, you can just 
live there or train every day. It's it's a pretty awesome time. Uh, if anyone's listening to this, you can definitely do that. If even if you're a white belt, I went when I was a white belt. Uh, it's a really cool experience. And I asked my coach, who is Frost's um, brother, hey, can you let Frost know that I would be interested in doing pure victory? Yeah. Uh, and he was like, okay, no promises. I'll text him, but you know, <laughs> like, I'm not going to guarantee you're going to get a match. I'm like, okay, whatever. I get there my first day and Frost is like, you, are you Jeff? I'm like, yeah. My brother says you want to earn some Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. He's like, do you want to compete tonight? I'm like, sure. Okay. We got a guy for you. He's around your size, around your skill level. Uh, you guys will compete tonight after class. Okay. All right. <laughs> and he's like, now I'm not guaranteeing that you're going to earn any Bitcoin. And I'm not guaranteeing that you're, I'm going to get, put your video up on YouTube because if the match sucks, I'm not putting it up. <laughs> it's gotta be exciting. Proof of like, work. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. All right, let's do it. Um, and then that night, um, after like the normal class, uh, he had us in the cage of his gym. Um, and he had a GoPro and he just had us compete. Like in that rule set, it was very simple. All subs are allowed. There's no time limit. You go until somebody taps. That's it. Sorry. Quick little story of like about how like right before that match mm -hmm. so um i don't know if you know ethan krellinston no i'm not familiar so he's currently one of the gym owners at b team okay. um with craig jones and he's like a you know competes at the highest level black belt like he, he was at adcc this year uh or last year and um i was rolling with him right before like my match really and because he called he called me he was like hey let's roll i'm like okay <laughs> and i need to save my strength for this thing coming up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like he was a brown belt at the time i'm like a blue belt i'm like oh i'm not gonna refuse him like that's disrespectful and mm -hmm. we're rolling and then Faraz sees us rolling and Faraz is like hey what are you doing he's like stop He's like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And then he's like, Ethan, he's like, what are you doing? Like, he's about to compete. And he's like, oh, sorry. Like, I didn't know. Uh, and then Frost is like, come, come. He's like, sit down, sit down here. He's like, sit down beside him. And he's like, Jeff, in all my years of professional fighting and, and coaching professional fighters, I've never seen a fighter get into a fight before his fight. It's absolutely absurd. Stop it. I'm like, Hey, dude, okay. <laughs> just makes frost. He's got a point there, man. <laughs> I, hey, he's totally correct on that. Um, and and oh it, it, he's such a it's it's he's a really funny guy. Like his his YouTube channel is great. And he does a lot of like breakdown analysis. But if you get to know him as a person, he's like one of the funniest people around. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> he would just roast you nonstop. Mm -hmm. um, Man, so I watched that video. There's like, what is it, 20 minutes, 25 minutes long? The yeah, the it was somewhere. It was or was somewhere, it even a half an hour? Uh, no, it was like f somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes. Because oh, I remember okay. he would say somewhere like, "Oh, we're reaching the 15 minute mark now." Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 20 so, minutes nonstop, and it was action all the way through. You, you're a beast. 
<laughs> Thanks. So it's th that was the one thing I was afraid of, right? Because uh, there was a previous episode where he had to like cut some footage because there was mm -hmm. uh, some like like I guess just periods of, of non-action. Yeah, time wasting. And uh, you know, it was pretty cool to hear him say because after we did the match. Um, he like did a commentary over the whole thing and then puts it up on YouTube. And so he does like a play by play commentary, like throughout the match. And at the beginning, he's just like, um, Hey guys, whatever the time stamp is, that is it. Like I didn't cut the footage in any way. It was action packed the way through. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I, I, it was exciting enough for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was great, man. It was, uh, Cool match. I was back and forth, like for a second, looked like you're going to lose, then you're going to win. But it was, and it was like grueling at the very end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I could uh, feel how tired you were <laughs> just yeah. watching. Mo, uh, my opponent, great guy. Um, he he's a super nice guy. He's one of Faras's, um, you know, homegrown as a white belt, and we actually started jujitsu around the same time. So and it was a perfect kind of like matchup, uh, mm -hmm. for us. And, um, it was a lot of fun because I liked not having to worry about points or worry mm -hmm. about time. Cause a lot of competition I have done, there's a lot of that gamesmanship or, or I don't really know what the word is exactly, but like, there's a time when you're like doing jujitsu mm -hmm. and there's a time where you're like playing the game to win. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Based on the rule set, if that makes sense. Yeah, like if you're up on points and there's like 30 seconds left, you're definitely wasting that last 30 seconds to like <laughs> yeah. come out, come out on top. Exactly. It's just part of the part of the sport. That's what makes it different from a real fight. <laughs> yeah, or or like you know, oh, this submission is not allowed, so maybe I'll bait this guy into going for an illegal submission. Maybe I'll get him disqualified or something <laughs> so stupid like that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take it to a lot of stupid directions. <laughs> And, and so I really liked the rule format where it was like, it didn't allow me to cheat myself. Mm -hmm. Like I mm -hmm. knew that going in win or lose, I'm like, there's going to be no like fiat -ness <laughs> in this thing. Right. Like, yeah, it's no going to be right. It's going to be a pure like match where we just do jujitsu and we're just going to see whose technique is better. Mm -hmm. That night. Mm -hmm. And endurance. Um, I mean, there's like a lot of factors. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I that was a really like that was a really fun moment for me because there was kind of like three things involved, which was number one, I got to earn Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Like, how cool is that? Like, I don't was think that the first ever... Bitcoin you ever earned. No, but it was the first Bitcoin I got without paying fiat for it. Like I, I worked for that. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's what um, I mean. Like with, without that was the first time you didn't get it from an exchange, but actually got paid oh, for your work for it. Yes, yes, yes. And so that was like that's special. What a what a cool moment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and secondly it was combined with my love of like something that I really enjoy doing jujitsu. Right. Yeah. Your two and worlds then, were colliding. <laughs> yeah. And the last piece of this was the fact that I'm protesting the government right now. Like 
this is the most, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, it was the most violent, nonviolent protest I've ever been a part of. <laughs> uh, it's so poetic. I love it. Uh, and, and so like those three things combined, like I got to earn in Bitcoin, I got to combine it with my passion of jujitsu and I got to stick it to the government at the same time in a time where competing was illegal. That's amazing. Like, that's, that's like the pinnacle of like, I don't know, meaning yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You can die happy from there. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I don't think he does that series anymore, but, uh, man, I, I think he should have kept that going because it was such a cool thing to like, let mm -hmm. people, um, you know, earn Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and now to be fair, I did also earn shit coins <laughs> in that, um, I got like a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin at the time, hundred bucks of dash and a hundred bucks of this other crypto, like whatever it doesn't matter yeah yeah whatever. Um, what did you do it, did you exchange and get bitcoin for them uh you know what i still have it i should do that though yeah that's a good point that's, that's a good reminder probably there's no liquidity even for like a hundred dollars <laughs> worth of shit. <laughs> yeah anyway we'll see what if i can do anything with that um but the cool thing too was he mm -hmm. put up both competitors so myself and um my opponent mo uh he put both of our bitcoin addresses on the YouTube description link. So oh, nice. anybody around the world could technically like donate to that address. And I remember I actually you have the private that. keys to that address. Uh, oh, it's been a, you know what? I haven't checked in a long time. I have to dig for that. But, um, I remember like looking at it, um, like a couple months after, um, and I had gotten like at the time, like 50 bucks worth of donations. Nice. Um, so that was like really cool to, to know like, oh, maybe it's just someone who really appreciates jujitsu, you know, halfway across the world and just mm -hmm. wanted to donate like five bucks or something. Right. Um, borderless payment, man. Right. Like it was such a, like to see Bitcoin in action, that mm -hmm. was really proof to me that like, you know, there are use cases for this as trivial as it might seem like for just some YouTube video. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, it's huge that if it's someone in the middle East that wanted to donate $5, think about if someone from that part of the world wanted to donate $5, they would not possible. No, the bank fees to do that would be way higher than $5. Astronomical months to do that or weeks at least. Mm -hmm. Um, like the amount of KYC and government controls, and you're going to get questioned, why are you sending money halfway across the world? Why, like you got to exchange it into a foreign currency. Like <laughs> it would be impossible to do. So mm -hmm. here was a clear, like uh, boost in my conviction of the use yeah. cases mm -hmm. of Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, uh, all in all, it was like a really like um, enriching experience in terms of like, you know, uh, not just for jujitsu, but like my conviction in Bitcoin as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was there like any of the other shit coins, like addresses that people donated it to that, or did people only donate to the Bitcoin one? Uh, I think he put up our other addresses for the shit coins as well, but I 
don't think I even check those. Maybe there's money in there. But you're giving you're this is a good reminder that I actually should go back and take a look at those and see if there's anything there. Um, but also I think it was sponsored by um Bitcoin.com, which I think is Roger Ver. Oh, okay. So he's he's not a good person in Bitcoin. Cause... At the time, I think this was around the block size wars. Mm -hmm. So I think this is before Roger Ver became a shitcoiner. Mm. And I know for a fact that Roger is a huge jujitsu fan. Right, um, right, right. He is a brown belt, I believe. Mm -hmm. And there's actually, I, I remember seeing on Instagram or, or somewhere, um, he had gotten a bunch of the high level guys from TriStar to like wherever he was in like somewhere south, like in the Caribbean or like Antigua or something like that. And they were just like rolling together. So I know mm -hmm. he was like, um, like he was in, like, that's why he probably was one of the sponsors for, for those videos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's connected with like the higher inner circle echelon of like jujitsu people. I know he like, uh, he sponsors Gordon Ryan. I've seen Bitcoin cash on his yes. like, uh, shorts or whatever yes. he wears. <laughs> and, and that's, what's crazy, right? It's like that, the fact that you have to have a person put Bitcoin cash onto that rash guard that already tells you it's not decentralized, mm -hmm. right? Like you need this guy to promote it. Mm -hmm. And he's obviously paying Gordon to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, how is that any different from a shitcoin that I make and just try to, Hey, Gordon, can you, I'll pay you this much money. Why don't you promote my shitcoin? Right. Mm -hmm. With Bitcoin, there is nobody, no one person that would like advocate for that. You know what I mean? No one's going to mm -hmm. pay Gordon to promote Bitcoin unless they were in it for like literally for like the network itself. Right. There would mm -hmm. be no personal gain in the sense of like, I'm going to make like, you know, I'm going to promote my shit coin or for, or whatever. Cause it's doesn't, it's not owned by anybody. Right. Yeah. That's the one main difference basically between any Bitcoin and a bit, sorry, between any coin other than Bitcoin is that all the other ones have marketing teams and Bitcoin's just there existing, making yeah. new blocks every 10 minutes. And yeah. People are learning about it one by one by just like through these conversations or just like basically doing research on the internet. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's no <laughs> marketing other than just us regular people talking about it. There's no yeah. million dollar budgets for anything. We're doing the marketing right now, mm -hmm. right? But it's decentralized to everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're just no doing marketing by talking about what our experiences are, like how, yeah. how it's changed our lives towards like a, in a direction that we're happy with. Yep. And it's voluntary, right? Like no one's making you do this right now. No one's making me do this right now. This is a completely voluntary exchange between mm -hmm. us to have this conversation right now and mm -hmm. promote Bitcoin, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This way. Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, where did I want to take this? Is there like... Have you had, I guess the thing I want to talk about maybe a little bit is how do you talk to other people about Bitcoin? What's like been your strategy? What have you like failed with? Cause I'm sure you failed a lot because everybody fails at talking about Bitcoin <laughs> in a way that's uh, like appealing to other people. Um, yeah, I definitely have had to be the, the crazy guy that nobody wants to listen to or finds too annoying 
<laughs> listen to. Um, but you learn quickly not to do that. I mean, fair. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I would say one of the biggest things I've learned with like orange pilling people in general is like meeting them at their level of why they would need it. And I would say it's really hard where we are, like in a first world country, because Bitcoin, like it is for everybody, but especially now, but like a year or two ago, like even before that, it wasn't for us. It was for the people who were unbanked mm. in like, you know, parts of Africa or, or South America, right? Yeah, the global uh, South. Yeah. Um, it's, and so it was really hard for me to find an angle where it was like, how are you going to relate to this? Right. Mm -hmm. I would have had a much easier time orange pilling, for example. Um, so my family's from Hong Kong, right. And in Hong Kong, there's a lot of, uh, Filipino, uh, women that, uh, work as like maids or nannies. Uh, mm -hmm. for families out there. It's just like a normal mm -hmm. thing. It's and a normal they, thing right where I live. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. And they remit those payments back to their families in the Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. I would have had a way easier time um, orange pilling my grandmother's nanny mm -hmm. uh, because that would have been like, oh, I can save on fees. Like mm -hmm. I can send it right away. I can send mm -hmm. any amount at any time and I can do mm -hmm. it like at the, at the touch of my phone. Yeah. No wow, bank hours. No, nothing. Right. That was way, that would have been in my opinion, way easier to orange pill than compared to my, you know, CPA finance friends that mm -hmm. are like, you know, what do I need that for? Like, mm -hmm. you know, everything's fine the way it is here. Yeah. You just invest your money and you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I can buy real estate and stocks and bonds and everything else. Mm -hmm. Why do I need Bitcoin? Right. And so, um, I, I guess again, if there is a use case that kind of shows up for these people, I will bring it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think that's a really smart yeah thing to, to, yeah, just meet them at their level and, and, no more than is necessary, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> if, if someone's in it for number go up, I will try to cater to that. Mm. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, look at these metrics that show that Bitcoin has been going up, you know, uh, best performing asset in the last 10 years. Right. Right. First asset to, like, I forget what the number was, $1 trillion of value in like a really short amount of time. Compared it was the to fastest Google. to reach. Yeah. 1 trillion faster than Google or Apple. Yes. And it did no not stay there. Team. Yeah. Right. With no CEO, right. Just on its own, just, a, mm -hmm. just a decentralized software network. Right. So I'll bring that kind of thing up. And then people who are like into number go up, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, okay. Let me, let me mm -hmm. look into this more. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I have. Like I have another friend who was, you know, very anti-statist. He's very like <laughs> capitalistic and I was, and he was really into gold mm. and I was just like, well, these are the ways that Bitcoin is very anti-statist and is very like, you know, 
it's, it's freedom technology and it's better than gold in these ways. Right. And then suddenly I gave him, uh, I lent him uh, the internet of money book by Andreas Antonopoulos. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Like, let me start buying some Bitcoin now. Um, is that book like a technical book or, or a description book? It's a bit of both. Like it is, I would say it is good as a, uh, introductory book, like for someone who has zero idea about Bitcoin. Um, although that was kind of the only one that was available at the time when I got it. Uh, oh, nowadays, okay. I think there's a lot of better books for people to get introduced into Bitcoin with, mm -hmm. um, just in terms of like ease of, um, like accessibility for reading, like, mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Berger's book, who's, you know, a, a local GTA native, this mm -hmm. book is great for, for orange billing people. who have That's zero. uh magic internet money, right? Yes. Uh, so if you have zero understanding of like software and, you know, technology and that kind of stuff, you can get right into that book. Uh, cool. Tomer Strolight's book. Um, shoot, I What's that one that called? One. Um, I have it here somewhere. Um, Why Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, Quick Google search never lets me down. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, that's like a coffee table book, you know, with lots of images and oh, easy cool. to read paragraphs. Um, could almost be like a children's book in a sense, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the kind of material that's like really good for like zero understanding about economics, technology, jump mm -hmm. right into this. It'll make sense to you. Um, so yeah, whether you're into the greed part of Bitcoin, whether you're into the technology, you're into the, uh, anti-statist stuff. Like there's something for everyone. And so I try to learn kind as much. To see, yeah. There's um, also the, uh, the, the component of just like being able to trade freely across borders and hence like make more, I don't know, goods, be able to like trade more efficiently. Right. If you, mm -hmm. if you're trading more efficiently, you're able to produce more. If you're producing more, you're able to live like more luxuriously. Um, I'll give you one example here. I just thought of is, um, I knew someone that was very concerned about COVID. Um, and this was around the time when it was really bad in Italy mm -hmm. and the red cross in Italy has set up a Bitcoin donation fund where you could donate Bitcoin to help them buy equipment to set up temporary hospitals. Amazing. Uh, and I donated like, you know, 20 bucks worth, um, at the time. And I was like, look, this is how Bitcoin can serve like humanitarian needs, charitable needs, right? Like there's no way again, that I would have been able to send 20 bucks to Italy in that short amount of time. Yeah. Right. Like the fees would have been ridiculous. The KYC, and the red tape, what if the bank uh, wire goes wrong. What if some guy who's typing in the bank wire types in the wrong number, you know, um, <laughs> what if I get questioned by the government? Why are you sending 20 bucks over there? I need the bank information of the red cross. You think someone there is going to get back to me for a $20 wire? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it just wouldn't happen. But no. with the power of Bitcoin, I could literally just in like within a minute, mm -hmm 
send over Bitcoin and within the hour have my Bitcoin confirmed on the mm. transaction. And if I really wanted to, if I, if I was so sure that like every second counted, uh, in terms of like preventing a death, I could have changed my uh, fee on the Bitcoin transaction so that my transaction was prioritized mm -hmm. so that I could get the money to these people faster. 10 minutes. That's important to me, right? And so to have that level of functionality and, and autonomy, like for certain people that, you know, um, had that kind of like concern about, you know, COVID or, or being charitable and having doing humanitarian work and stuff like that, I suddenly took that angle uh, mm -hmm. to approach that person with Bitcoin and suddenly, oh, okay, I get it. Oh, wow, that is really useful, right? Because mm -hmm. they don't care about number go up. They don't care about, uh, you know, the, the, you know, freedom from, from government and all that kind of stuff. But this is something they do care about and it does resonate with them. So that's the example I'm going to, I'm going to bring up with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In that case, it's truly digital money, which means that it, it can truly travel at the, at the speed of like what they, they just travel at, which is the speed of light. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it just needs 10 minutes to confirm, to get a consensus that it's actually happened. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so let me mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to reflect <laughs> that question back to you though. Yeah. How have I had any success orange pilling people? So, I mean, I've had success orange pe pilling like my family because we have a history of like coming from places where this kind of stuff happens mm -hmm. where financial collapse is not that uncommon. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's been, um, easier to convey that message to family. And then I've had a few friends who have been able to get into it based on, I think initially the trust they have in me. And then slowly over time, I think it's, um, becoming more of their own on their own initiative, but at different rates, you know, okay. everyone's got their own different like speed that they travel at. But, uh, yeah. I think it, the, you know, the, I guess the main component for me that's been successful is that the, the trust that people have in me specifically. Mm. So okay. that doesn't speak to the techniques that I've had. <laughs> right. So I like the, the answer that you gave because I need to employ that more. Although I guess I also just, um, a lot of times I'm hesitant to bring it up and I'm waiting for the perfect moment. <laughs> mm, you know what okay. I mean? You want to like, yeah. you don't, you don't want to just be like, Oh, I was like barf Bitcoin, like information. <laughs> you want to shove it in the conversation <laughs> when it's not needed. Yeah, there. exactly. And then sometimes I guess you just, if you wait for, for too long, it's just never going to happen. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, that, that's great to hear though, that like, you know, you have a relationship with people where that trust is able to like, you know, uh, get people a little bit more curious about it, you know, cause yeah, ultimately it has to it be their own journey. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise like, you know, if they don't trust you and they think you're a grifter, well, that's only going to hurt Bitcoin's repetition even more. Right. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this guy's trying to scam me. Well, Bitcoin must be a scam as well, right? So I, I think it's great that yeah. like, being a person of you know better upstanding character, let's say, 
that's going to help with Bitcoin's reputation as well, by extension, in, in a sense, I guess. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, like I said, I'm trying to offload my uh, ability to, I don't know, judge character by just involving myself in things that are proof of work. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that kind of feeds on itself, in on itself, where then I, my life will just kind of continue in a direction where I'm satisfied with it in a way that it can't be faked. Like people are <laughs> like, I'm very mm-hmm. authentic. I know who I am. Like I have, mm-hmm. I think now 81 episodes of this stupid nice, podcast man. that I put out like once That's a week. Awesome. So if yeah. everyone, if anyone wants to know who I am, they can like listen to that and they, they'll know exactly who I am mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not afraid of that, but I'm, I'm okay with it because yeah. like, like I said, I just do things that are proof of work related. Yeah. I forget yeah. the point where I was trying to make with this <laughs> stupid rants. <laughs> no, Hey, it just goes off, um, into, you know, any direction, uh, you know, feels mm-hmm. right. But, uh, uh, you know, your, your personal training, I feel like that is also a realm of that proof of work kind of, uh, like I, I, I would assume you see that in your clients a little bit. Too. Yeah, of course. Health is another thing that can't be faked. You have to attain health through, well, if you ask me, it's through behavior, it's through behavior modification. Of course, if you ask, uh, you know, a, a medical doctor, it might say it's through uh, some sort of uh, pharmaceutical, <laughs> but, but yeah, health again, like, uh, with the martial arts, with Bitcoin health is just like on that same level. If you're trying, if you're thinking about it all the time, if you're like changing your behavior in a way where you're trying to attain health, then you have to, you have to actually do it because if you don't, you're never going to actually get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, that's a great way to, um, you know, just involve yourself more in that realm of like, you know, letting these proof of work lifestyle mechanisms just guide you along the right path of like, what's the right thing to do? Um, what's the right mm-hmm. thing to focus on, right? Especially in a time now where there's so much distraction, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if we're talking about health, like junk food, pills, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get a six pack in five days type stuff, <laughs> you know, yeah. get your splits in like two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I see this firsthand too, because, um, a lot of my family, my dad's a family doctor and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have these discussions with him about like how, honestly, how fiat our healthcare is. Mm-hmm. And when I bring up things like, for example, type two diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. That is something you can absolutely cure through healthy diet and exercise, right? Mm-hmm. But when my dad is in his practice, he will not go down that route normally. It mm-hmm. will actually be a route of here's some insulin. Mm-hmm. to fix your problem. And it's like, well, type two diabetes is a disease of too much insulin. <laughs> Why is the treatment to give them more insulin? Mm-hmm. 
And like, I, I genuinely deep question. question. (laughs) And my dad's like, well, like, and if I'm sure, you know, a little bit about this, but like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's because you get more insulin resistant. That's why you need even more insulin. Right. But yeah, that's like, that's like the whole printing money thing. It's like, well, well, Mm -hmm. we need to print money. It's like, well, it's going to make you print even more money. Right. (laughs) Um, and where does that end? Right. And when I kind of chronic health, like health issues, that's where it ends. Yeah. And, and, and of, until you get so, um, uh, resistant that you're just going to die essentially is what's his answer to me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, this, like I, I, I went down that line of questioning because mm-hmm. I'm trying to dig out whether you do know this or not. And it's like, okay, he's a doctor. Of course he knows that. But why is it then in practice, he still does that. And I remember he finally told me one day, he's just like, well, people are lazy and like you can preach diet and exercise all you want, but if they won't do it, I have to do something that shows some kind of result. Mm-hmm. Insulin is the last resort. So I can like sympathize with like, cause you know, I think nowadays, especially in this kind of climate of like, people want to blame the other side for like the world's ills, you know, mm-hmm. there's going to be people that say, you know, the system, the healthcare system and, and the pharmaceutical companies, they're making us all sick. And on their side of it, they're saying, no, 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 it's the people that don't know how to like be healthy. And so <laughs> I actually think the answer is like most things in life nuanced and somewhere in the mm-hmm. middle, you know, mm-hmm. yes, I do believe that the pharmaceutical companies and the system of healthcare that we have does influence people to take a maybe uh, suboptimal route towards health. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are insulin companies that want to make money by selling insulin. So what do you think doctors are going to push? Right. At the same time, you can't place all the blame on that side of the equation, because I also think that there's people like patients that don't take enough personal Mm -hmm. accountability and responsibility for their own health in terms of, Mm -hmm. okay, you don't have to take that insulin. Yes. The company does want to sell you insulin. Yes. The doctor might be pushing it on you a little bit, Mm -hmm. but ultimately you can say no. Mm -hmm. And you can say, you know what? I'm going to choose to stop eating the sugar. I'm going to choose to stop drinking the soda. I'm going to choose to like exercise and move my body and deal with this, uh, problem myself. Right. Um, so the only thing I'd say back to that though, is we live in a little bit of a system where you're set up to fail because first of all, most people don't have the education to know that, uh, like what you're saying is the right way to go about it. And then second of all, we live in a healthcare system where the doctor has a few minutes to be able to sit down with a patient, figure out what the problem is and be able to come up with a solution in order to have a, an actual impactful conversation with somebody where you're trying to encourage them to make behavior changes that are going to be like complete, like one eighties into their lifestyle. That's going to take a lot more than five to 10 minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I, and I experienced that myself, like that's what makes me really frustrated with our current healthcare system, you know, in Canada here. Like, um, I recently got blood work done in, uh, a few weeks ago 
And um, when I called my family, or my family doctor is not my dad, but it's another family friend. And when she sees me or she has a phone conversation with me, they are so short. And they do not nearly get into the level of depth that I need to mm -hmm. like really come up with a good plan of how to like sort these things out. Right. Like my recent blood work showed that, um, you know, my vitamin B12 levels are just a little bit low. Mm -hmm. So I was like, perfect. It's more excuse to eat steak and meat. Right. <laughs> and my doctor was like, my family doc was like, well, I wouldn't do that. I would probably take vitamin B12 pills supplement <laughs> because your cholesterol levels are going to go high. I'm like, well, cholesterol is also a tricky subject because you have HDL, you have LDL. And I know LDL is the quote unquote bad uh, it's cholesterol, not bad. but it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, and, and like, again, you know this, it's, very I've done like four podcasts on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like right? more than an hour each. <laughs> it's 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 a somewhat tricky subject, right? Like I think you would agree that um, like there's there's a lot of factors into it that can point to like different directions of like, well, if you have high LDL in combination with these other biomarkers, maybe that's not healthy for you. But mm -hmm. you cannot just blanket statement it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. No, it's how does it interplay with everything else going on in your body? Yeah, what well, right? context? And we're just scratching the surface barely with mm -hmm. the conversations I'm having with my family doc because she needs to get to her next patient right away. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So she needs to be able to boil it down to just LDL bad. LDL is too high. Go mm -hmm. stop, stop eating meat. Yeah. Right. Take the vitamin B12 <laughs> supplement right. instead of the food that's going to provide it. Right. And, and I knew this, I knew this. So it was extra frustrating to me that like, I like, it's almost like negligence to me that like doctors mm -hmm. are allowed to, to get away with that level of oversimplicity. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, they're, they're set up to fail too, right? Like it's like we're on both sides. It's, there's a problem and you can't blame one side or the other. There's like the, the system that we have set up for ourselves that people are very happy with, that people are always very proud of, that we live in Canada, at least we have free healthcare, is not a good system and ends up hurting both the patients and the doctors who are overworked and under helping. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you know this, like if you're well-versed in that world, like it takes if the system is not set up to uh, set them up for success, which then sets up us up for success, then guess yeah. what? You and I have to go do our research elsewhere, right? Like mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you know of Dr. Paul Saladino, uh, sure, the carnivore yeah. doctor guy. So mm -hmm. I actually emailed him or his company. He has a, um, uh, his company's called Heart and Soil. And mm -hmm. he has a team of health professionals, I guess, like they're not doctors and they can't give you medical advice, but mm -hmm. you can email them and it's a totally free service. I highly re uh, recommend anyone here who's interested in knowing a little bit more about their health. Like if you have mm -hmm. questions, email them mm -hmm. because they have a team that will respond back 
with like detailed information with links to studies and resources and podcasts and videos that explain all the stuff we're talking about in huge detail. Like the whole LDL, HDL cholesterol thing. Mm-hmm. I sent them my blood work just to see if they would comment on it. And they're like, no, we can't legally comment on it. But mm-hmm. here's a whole essay on the interplay between like HDL and LDL and all these other biomarkers and why high, like low LDL is not necessarily good for you and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm-hmm. this would take forever for my family doctor to like explain to me, mm-hmm. let alone get me to understand it. Right. Yeah. Something not Uh, talked about very much is how LDL is involved in immunity. So when you lower your LDL, you might actually lose your ability to fight infection. Right. Right. See, I didn't even know that. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that. Um, But Mm -hmm. the, the responsibility has been put so much on you and I to know that kind of thing. And I don't expect the average person to go out of their way to learn that stuff. They're supposed to be able to rely on their doctor to be able to make this stuff palatable to them. Right? Mm-hmm. But like you said, if they're not set up for success, that puts more and more of the burden on you and I to self-educate or to self-educate like on, on this, mm-hmm. these topics, right? And save ourselves essentially when really we should be living in a society where I should be able to trust my doctor to break that stuff down into a digestible format, into a action plan that's like really easy to follow. That's actually good for me in the long run, not just a, well, LDL is bad. Stop eating this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where, again, and, and because I guess I'm a little bit biased, I have family that are in mm-hmm. the medical mm-hmm. field. Like I sympathize with both sides. Like, yeah. I can't blame any one person, you know? Um, Yeah. I have these conversations with my wife all the time where we're talking about how messed up the system is and it, it, because of the system, it sets up both sides to fail, both the doctors and the patients. And like you said, it, it forces the responsibility onto the patient. If you want to be healthy, you have to take that on as a responsibility to find out what you have to do so that you don't actually rely on the healthcare system or the hospitals. Hospitals yeah. are some of the worst places to be if you're unhealthy, if you're <laughs> yeah. not healthy. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of to take it back to Bitcoin. This is like, uh, Bitcoin also forces you to take on responsibility for your financial health. You know, mm-hmm. like there's your mm-hmm. physical health and there's your financial health. And if you're not paying attention and you're just listening to what the system is telling you on the financial side, you'll end up poor not be able to save up money for anything and end up taking on loans to, you know, either buy a house or start, start a business or something and yeah. end up on the hook for a life lifetime of uh, payments. Yeah. Yeah. That there's a great <laughs> parallel to Bitcoin here because in a fiat economy, as we've lived in since the 1970s, you know, I wasn't even alive back then. Um, the burden of responsibility, similar how, to how we're saying the burden of responsibility of knowing about your health has fallen so much on us compared to, you know, the doctors and the system, the responsibility, the burden of responsibility on your finances has also been really shifted towards the citizens in the sense that before, you know, we got off the gold standard, a plumber, a high school teacher, you know, these people 
could depend on if I just work my job and I get paid and I save my money in gold, I know that my family and my future is secure, right? Yeah. Now that we live in this fiat world, and I know this because I was, you know, taught this from a very young age, like, oh, you got to learn how to like manage your finances. And by manage, I mean, like when you get paid, like even from a high school job or something, that money cannot stay cash. That's got to go into something right away. Right. Mm. And so now you're offloading that responsibility again onto the citizen. So that plumber who 60 years ago could have just saved in gold, let's say, um, um, or whatever, like if we didn't live in a fiat society, like whatever the form of hard asset is, they could just put that away and not worry about it. Now, if you're a plumber, you also have to get a second job as a financial advisor and learn about investing. Because now if you don't, your cash is gonna erode away. Mm -hmm. And now you're forced to take on a second job, which by the way, like tons of people go to school to become a day trader, to become a financial advisor in some capacity. That's like a full-time job in itself, right? And it's yeah. just offloading more and more of that responsibility on people. And, and it's, they're worse off for it because it wasn't their job in the first place to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, like I like, yeah, we already said, like, you can't save in order for your money to maintain its purchasing power, you have to invest. But what yeah. if you make the wrong investment? <laughs> what if you buy some government bonds, because you think they're risk free, and all of a sudden, the interest rate goes up, and you lose all that value? <laughs> you're being forced to take risks. Mm -hmm. You're being forced to gamble. You're, you, you can't save anymore. What kind of society is that when you've encouraged the most prudent of citizens to gamble their money away by buying GameStop. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, we've gone on for well above an hour here. So appreciate your time. Thank you for joining in, retelling your story. That jujitsu story is great. I'm glad you shared it. And I'll have definitely put a link to the your your uh, match in the oh, description so people can check that out. And hopefully the the uh, address is still there. So if anyone's actually interested, maybe they can <laughs> donate to it. <laughs> maybe you should like comment on it. Be like, I still got the private keys. <laughs> and, then, and then people can donate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. Just donate into the abyss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, hey, either way, you're helping out the network. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point. Yeah. Thanks again, brother. Hey, thanks. Thanks uh, for having me, Jamie. Uh, this is awesome. Great conversation. Cool. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome.